I want to bring us just a a brief message, a a little shorter uh, than normal, but uh, I believe that God's going to speak to us. Uh, How many of you guys seen the old, uh, uh, you know, Christmas Carol like with Scrooge? You guys know Scrooge, of course, right? Last week, we were talking about favorite Christmas movies. We all know um, about Scrooge, and the thing about Scrooge is, right, he's kind of bitter, curmudgeon, just hates Christmas, and, you know, is kind of looking down on everybody and just hates the joy but he's also a very wealthy uh, man. He, he's a wealthy man, but he's not generous. He's not generous. And, and when I begin to look at uh, the data as Americans, we are so rich. Like, you may not consider yourself rich. You may actually consider yourself in poverty, or the government may write you and say you're, you're uh, you know, below the, the poverty line. But did you know as Americans, we are so we're so rich. And so I just want to start this message in just uh, the, the perspective that, hey, maybe you don't feel like, Scroo- like Scrooge in the fact that he had a ton of money in the bank account, um, uh, but, but I want you to have the, the, a global perspective that we indeed are so blessed and, and so rich. Even if, if your household income is like 32 grand a year, and that may be way less for some of you, way more for, the, for others of you than normal. But if that's the case, then you're in like the top 1% of income earners in the world. Like that's like what? Like that's how wealthy we are as a nation. We're one of the most generous uh, uh, countries in the world and how we take care. We're really known for that a- a- around the world. And, you know, ex- there's almost an expectation that we go in and fix everything because of our, our generosity. And I- as I was thinking, this whole series, Christmas Kaleidoscope, is about these mirrors, these colored lenses that we have in the scriptures, the, the shepherds in this picture with the angel coming. And there's just this handful of texts and they're the same mirrors, these same scriptures, but each year we just turn the end piece like in a kaleidoscope, and God seems to speak in a new masterpiece to, to reveal something fresh to us. And I believe that, that God wants to reveal something fresh to us today about uh, generosity, because in God's very character, in the very depth of his heart, he is a giver. Like, all of life flows out of God. And, and how much more if, like, you on earth have someone, maybe it's not a father, as Jesus said. Maybe it's not a father, but there's someone that you know, they're a good gift giver. And you've gotten a good gift in your life. How much more than our Father in heaven give to, to those who ask, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so I want to briefly look at, at Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. And this is this picture of the, the Magi. You guys remember this? It's the Magi. We call them um, uh, wise men. And just a just to mess up like the, 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 the art piece with the wise men are there. The wise men, the, we don't know that there was three of them, you know, and they definitely weren't there at the time of Jesus' birth. The scriptures tell us they actually came to Jesus in a house. But these men of influence, they came from the east. Like, was it the far east, like Asia, Asia, you know, um, whether, whether they're Asian folks or whether they were like Saudi Arabian or like Persian um, east, which is like modern-day Iran. We don't know how far east, but they came from the east, and they had been diligently studying not only the, the Jewish texts and, and prophetic texts. In fact, I believe that some of them uh, came to faith as became faithful Jews. I think one of them in here that really had an insight into this prophecy from a guy named Balaam. Remember Balaam's donkey? Remember the one that talks? Yeah, that donkey. <laughs> this guy named Balaam, this prophet, shared this this prophecy hundreds of years before that uh, where this star 
star would be had. And there's another prophecy in Daniel that really foretold the time. And so these, these men have been diligently studying. They're, they're influential men, men of wealth, men of influence, and they come from afar. And what do they do? They bring gifts, of course, right? That's where we get this whole idea of Christmas presents is through the, the Magi. But they, they bring these gifts. And last year, maybe later this year, I'll, I'll talk more about the significance of each one of those gifts and what they were symbolizing by that. But what I want to notice, just quickly, a couple of things in this text before we, we hop over to another New Testament text. I, I want you to notice that before they give the gifts, what do they do? They find themselves postured to worship. And, and at this time, a customary kind of posture of reverence and worship, someone from Persia, let's say, from the east, they would actually bow down and they would kiss the ground in this home, which is probably a dirt floor. They would kiss the ground as an ultimate sign of worship and reverence. Men of influence who were called upon to bring wisdom about for kings, for what they were to do, they find themselves at the feet of a one-year-old baby, maybe two years old, kissing the ground in worship. You see, it wasn't just about the gifts. It was about the gift. It was the, the gifts were just brought to the true gift that, that Israel had long awaited. They had been searching. We talk about this anticipation. Nobody had more anticipation, and even still Jews today, they're still anticipating a, a Messiah's return, but he's already come. He's already come. And so they had a great expectation. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. And these wise men from afar, they came and they knew what they had found. They had found the Messiah and they came to worship. So in this season where we're busy wrapping gifts and figuring out who to buy what for, that's always fun. Not really. I hate that. Um, But don't forget, like, as we bring gifts, like, let's worship first. Let's be worshipers first. Let's bring ourselves and our heart postured before him uh, first. The, the second thing that I'll just make note of in this Matthew text before we, we move to a, a, um, a text that I think God wants to, to speak a little deeper on this topic of generosity to us about is after all this, they go back a different way. And they go back because God told them to go back a different way. He warned them in a dream, so it was obedience. But I, I think that a nugget for us to pull from this is that when we come and when we worship... I think one of the things that we can kind of, uh, you know, pull from this is that God, we're transformed. I mean, I love this, this um, Maya Angelou uh, quote about giving because giving is transformational. She says that um, giving, uh, among its many benefits, among its other benefits, it liberates the soul of the giver. That there is something free and something transformational when we become generous. And I would say we become more like Christ when we give. We become more like the character of God. And so as we dive into 2 Corinthians chapter um, 8 here in just a second, I want you to remember this. Our giving is out of a heart of worship, but giving it is not only a part of our worship, but it's a part of our witness too. It's it's through our giving, through our generosity, through going downtown to serve the homeless, through finding someone to give and bless, not expecting anything in return to give and bless. It points as a witness 
So our giving is, is a witness. Our generosity is a part of our worship. I want to turn to a text in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Uh, again, maybe uh, like the first week of this, maybe a different text for us to go to. But Paul is talking to the church at Corinth about generosity. And he's speaking in their heart. And this is that time of year where many of us are turning our attention to giving. And we'd like to find that. And what I believe in our heart is that we want to be generous. I believe that every single one of you, don't, none of you want to be a Scrooge in here. Does anybody want to be a Scrooge? Raise your hand, right? I'm the only one to raise my hand. I'm sorry. Uh, nobody wants to be a Scrooge. We all want to be generous deep within our heart. But like Scrooge, like something happened along the way. You guys remember Scrooge? Something happened along the way in which hardened his heart towards generosity, hardened his heart to experience the joy and the wonder of uh, this season. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and, and talk briefly here. Um, but since you excel in everything, I don't know if you know anything about the Corinthian church, but the church at Corinth is a little bit of a hot mess, like just to say it politely. Like they, they're not known for excelling in like they're not the model church, to say the least. If you read the letters for that Paul writes to them, it's like, you guys are missing it. You guys are like, like all caught up in sexual sin, and you're all caught up in your, yourselves and quarrels, and, and, and you, you think you got all the spiritual gifts, but then you're not operating in love, and there's just so much. But they think they got it all together. And so Paul, I don't know anybody that like speaks your first language is sarcasm, but, but Paul, and if you like a little sarcasm in the scriptures, here it is. Because Paul is saying this to this church that's a little bit of a hot mess. He's like, since you excel in everything, right? Since you got amazing like in your faith and speech and in knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we've kindled, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our, your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it will be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So I just want to talk real briefly today because I know in your heart, like I know every single one of us, we want to be generous. Maybe some things have happened along the way and I just want to give us a path, give us a, a few thoughts from this text right here on how to be more generous, how to have a generous heart, how to cultivate generosity in our hearts. The first is to cultivate gratitude to God. One of the interesting things about Paul, like the way Paul talks about giving here, if you go back and look at the text, beginning with verse one, he continues to talk about giving as a grace. See that you excel in the grace of giving, right? What do we, we know about giving is, or about gr grace, but grace is a gift. And so, Excel in the gift of giving. Like we've received it, so everything that we're able to go and like to offer from our hearts honestly out of a, a worshiping and reverent heart, everything that there, it flows out of the gift we've received. 
and out of gratitude towards God. And, and I just want to tell anyone that's in the room and maybe you haven't cultivated gratitude towards God. Maybe in this, in this season, it's like everything that you don't have, everything that's not right, everything that's not going well, everything that you're angry about, God, I, I want you to begin to cultivate gratitude towards God. And where we have to begin with that is in his grace gift to us. And we can't receive that grace gift that's been given to us unless we see our need for a savior. It's, it's a gift that's free, but it's a gift that we need. And the, the only way for us to receive it is to realize that we need it. It's free, but we've got to reach out and receive it. Um, you, you ever had a gift that um, like you just don't want to receive? You're like, I don't even want to take that thing home. Like Sometimes like my kids get these gifts from grandparents. God loved them. They're so generous to our children. And so we don't even buy them anything because I'm just kidding. We do buy them a little something, but um, they're so generous. And sometimes there's these big gifts and we're like, we don't have anywhere to put it. And I'm just like, I don't want to receive that because it's got to go to my house. And we have like 1,300 square feet to fit everybody, five people in and their toys and clothes. And I don't have anywhere to put it. So I'd just rather not receive it. Well, the same thing when it comes to this grace gift that's been offered to us, we've got to receive it. And the only way that we can receive it is to realize that we need it. But then you get that other gift and you're like, man, I need, this is just what I needed. And, and what I, I, I want to caution some of us in the room, and maybe today's a, a moment for us in which we realize we've been, we've been running this race. We've been running, playing the moral game, playing the religious game, but we've never in our life said, I am in need of a savior. Like, I'm not good enough on my own. I can be awesome on my best day, and it's not good enough. I need this gift of grace. I need this gift of salvation. And and we begin to cultivate gratitude towards God that allows generosity beyond that because I I need the grace first. I need the gift first. And it flows out of that place. Paul, over and over again, three times in the first seven verses, he refers to giving as the grace of giving, this grace that we've received. And so we've got to recognize our need to be saved and cultivate that. So recognize your need. The second thing I'd say that we can cultivate a heart of generosity is to be inspired by others and by Christ. Did, did you notice in the text? If you go back to the text, you can look, and he's actually compare we talk about not living the comparison game all the time right we tell our kids like don't compare yourself to the other kids like you're you don't compare your marriage to somebody else's marriage don't compare you know your spiritual walk with somebody we talk about that all the time and how it steals joy and here paul's like hey i actually want to compare you I think comparison is actually good in generosity is what Paul's saying, not only to be inspired by others, but to be inspired by Christ. So he points, Corinth is a church in like South Greece, and he's pointing to these Northern Greek churches, um, what we'll call the Macedonian churches, which is um, uh, Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, these three churches in particular. He's comparing the generosity up there because he's like, those people they're even more generous than you guys are. And you want to know why? Because you actually have some money down here. Up there, they're broke. Like, they're broke. Like, go back and read the very beginning of chapter 8. And he's like, and even out of their extreme poverty, it welled up in extreme generosity. 
that they weren't limited by what they didn't have. They gave out of what they did have. I remember years ago, some of you were able to meet Pastor Ismail when he comes in from Kenya. You guys remember him? So years ago, we, we were in Kenya, and I remember I was preaching on a Sunday morning like I am this morning, preaching to his church. His church, everyone is um, poverty that unless you've been in a third world country, like you can't fathom the type of poverty that they live in. And they live, uh, all of his church is right on the outskirts of the slums, and they all live in the slums. These people live on the most meager means that you eat for a meal, a decent meal. They live on for a month. Like, they, like one meal, like they live on for a month is what these people, and sometimes less than that. And at the end of the service, you, you know how sometimes like when we have a special guest, we'll collect like what we call in the church world a love offering. We're going to collect a love offering. We're going to bless these folks with, you've moved. Let's bless their ministry as, as they go. Well, Pastor Ismail did that for us, like for our team, like with his church. And like here, we've traveled, you know, all this way, and we've come to this place. We haven't come to get anything. And, and, and we would never want to receive anything from these people. But here they brought us these coins, and, and it's just like a, a few like meager coins, but every, it looked like everyone in that small out, church outside of the slums gave something to us. And like they know Americans, and they know that we have great wealth. Uh, wealth. And I was inspired by their generosity, I was just broken. I was humbled. I was like, God, I was like, I don't want to receive this gift. Like, that's, that's not right. But, but he said, no, no, my people need to know this. My people need to know how to be generous. They need to give. They need to be able to bless. We can be inspired by others. I'm inspired by some of the billionaires who have signed this giving pledge. Have you heard about this giving pledge in which they pledged to, like uh, Warren Buffett started it and um, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates have joined. There's a bunch of other uh, billionaires in which they said at their, the time of their passing, they're going to give away half of their fortune half of their fortune, which is just incredible. That's so much money. Can you just imagine when these people pass, like how much good is going to be done? But I'm inspired by them. I'm inspired by, by some churches who live on 65% of what comes in and 35% of it is just about for advancing the kingdom and blessing their community and making their community a better place. What an incredible inspiration. So Paul is like, I want to point you to, I want you to compare yourself. I want to test the sincerity of your gift. And we're moved and we're inspired by those that, that don't even have as much, but man, they're so generous. And we're like, I want to be like that. I don't know if you've got anybody in your life that, or a moment in which you've win it, witnessed some extreme generosity and you've said, I want to be like that. I, I want that kind of heart of generosity. And you wonder why it moves us when we see extreme generosity is because it connects with something divine. It connects with the very heart of God. That's, and when we've, we've cultivated gratitude towards God, we become content. And we realize we have everything we'll ever need. We have everything we'll ever need because we have salvation and we have eternal life. And so it becomes so easy to open our hand and be generous and to, to not only in worship, but in our witness to tell others. He points not only to be inspired by these Macedonian churches, but he points us to Christ, who made himself nothing, who, who took the place of a humble birth. I just talked about it, referenced it a few minutes ago that Jesus lived much of his life homeless and literally he, he never had a deed to a house. 
He'd stay from home to home and he traveled doing ministry and gave his heart, or he gave his, his life solely to the, the work of the Lord, but he made himself a nothing. He took poverty so that we might become rich. And I know what the American dream is. I know what it is. Like it's, it's like to build, to make wealth, to have the white, the, the, the white picket fence and two and a half kids and you know a dog and a half or something. I don't know what it is, but like we've all, we've all got this dream. We want to be rich, but just realize you are rich. If you've received salvation in Christ, you're rich, and we can flow into that place. Christ is our deepest inspiration. Just a couple things, and, and I'm going to wrap us up this morning. Uh, the third thing here is follow through on the willingness of your heart. How many, we had good intentions to be generous one time. We were moved by something and we've got, we got good intentions. And, and I, I think that's what Paul is coming to the Corinthian, Corinthian church about the need to see ministry go forward. He's like, hey, I know, I know you got good intentions. He said, I want to test the sincerity. I want to test the follow through. I want to test if that's actually going to go anywhere, if that actually means anything to us. Because a lot of times, I don't, I don't even think, with some of us, uh, there's heart issues. With many of us, it's just mind issues. It's just focus issues. But, but as we see throughout the scriptures, faith and works work hand in hand. You can't have one without the other if we really believe it. And, and I talk about this hard conversation when I look myself in the mirror, and I just realize Man, I'm, uh, do I really believe that? Do, do, do I really like worship God through my giving? Do I really want to witness through this? Do I really believe that God can supply all of my needs according to his riches of glory? Do I really believe that he owns it all? Do I, do I really believe that? Well, if that's the case, then we'll follow through on the willingness of your heart. And so here's what I want to encourage us this morning, not only to, to cultivate that gratitude um, by, by knowing our own personal need of receiving the gift, and, and, and not only to, to be inspired today in which we follow the lead of Christ and we follow the lead of some of those that have moved us in generosity, but also today that uh, we would recognize the need around us. I want us to become attuned to the needs of our city, Fathom. I want us to be in, attuned to the needs. And, and, and even if we can't give to every single one of them, because there is a discipline of giving in which we just realize I, I, can't, I can't put a bed for every homeless person. I can't feed every single person in need. But I can, I can do what I can. I can do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. And I can rest well with that, knowing that I am doing very best. So I, I just want to challenge us to begin to recognize the need in your workplace. And I'm not just talking about physical needs. I'm talking about spiritual needs. I pray that God would move us with his divine empathy in which we can sense there's a need there and I can be a part of the solution. That may not mean I raise all the money for it, but I'm sensitive to the need to the person that needs a bed. And I'm, I, I can't afford to go buy them a bed, but I'm going to find out somebody who has a bed. I love doing that. It is so much fun. And what I, I hope that we can find today is that there is so much joy in giving. Jesus teaches us to practice generosity in secret. It's not doing, do it so everyone can see us, but it's about the willingness and worship and witness of our hearts. The last thing here, and this is exactly what Paul says in verse 12. He basically tells us, stay focused on being faithful what you do have, not what you don't have. I think that's one of these 
one of these blinders that kind of go in and we, you know, we've got good intentions and, and we really do want to be generous and we, we really do have a heart of, of generosity, but then we, we kind of get taken off track. We start focusing on the wrong things. As we see the money going out, Christmas season, we're like, I don't, we start focusing, I wish I had more. And I wish I could do this or that. And, and we've got this wishful thinking or some of us carry shame because of like, we, we just, we, we can't do it. And so we feel guilty about it. And we, we begin to focus on what we, we don't have in this season. And that's the last thing that God wants us to do. And that's what Paul is saying to the church here uh, in verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. So my challenge in this season for us to, to cultivate this generosity is just to know that it starts the recognition of our need that we need the gift. And that it's a grace. It, it, it's a part of our worship and it's a part of our witness. And that God has put people all around us in these moments in which we're inspired to be generous. We're inspired by Christ who made himself nothing that we might experience abundance, life to the fullest, and overflowing that we might experience that. And it was Jesus who said it. It wasn't Aunt Ethel who made this up, but it was Jesus who said it. It's referenced in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than receive. It is. It is. And, and, and through this, through staying focused, through following through on the willingness of our heart, we begin to realize that. Um, just this week, there was a couple of moments. Once I was sitting with um, one of the volunteers in our church, and we were just talking about generosity. It was just kind of bubbling up. And we were talking about needs we see and just this passion to meet the needs of our city and to, to, to see the hurting and, and bless and, and to bring a witness and light into those dark places. That moment of just longing to be more generous as an individual, longing as, as a church to make a greater difference in our city. And then later this week, uh, Tara and I, we were laying in bed and um, I, had, I had looked up just for reference sake, like what percentage of giving we had given this year. And um, it, was, it was a lot more than what we had ever given. God had, has really stretched us more and more. We, we started our marriage at 10% and we've just become more generous every year. And we just sat there and we laid in bed and we were just talking and we just started dreaming about the ways in which we want to be generous. We were saying, God, if you'll provide this for us, this is what we want to do. With it. This is our heart. This is what we'd love to be able to do with this. I mean, stuff that's far beyond our means, but it was something that God is stirring in our hearts to, to be radically generous, to be extremely generous. One of the, the pastors I, I really admire is he lives off 10% and he gives away 90%. Like, God, would you do that in us? Would you make that possible for us to, to live on 10%? God loves a, a cheerful giver. I'm not doing an offering right now. It's not about any of that. This is about a God who loves you. And, and this is about a God who gave us the best gift there, gift there ever is. And he gave us Christ. He gave us his son. He could have probably done it some other ways. He's smart like that. He could have figured it out. But he gave himself. He gave the one, one son, his only son, to us. We begin to cultivate that gratitude in our heart. It's going to begin to flow out in extreme generosity all across our city. So I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray over you. I'm going to invite you to the table. And this band's going to lead us this morning as we worship the Lord. Will you stand? 
God, I thank you right now for every individual that's under the sound of my voice. God, and I thank you for the grace that you've given us in Christ and salvation. But God, help us to not just stop at that grace. Help us to see, God, there is so much that you want to birth from that first gift. From that first gift of realizing that we are sinful in need of a Savior, you want to birth a life of generosity that comes out in our worship and it comes out in our witness. Every time we give, we point to the goodness and the greatness of the ultimate giver. God, would you stir in our hearts? Would you, through your Holy Spirit, tenderize the hard parts of our heart that we as a church might be considered like the church of the Macedonians. Maybe we don't have everything in the world, but God, there is extreme generosity in us because we have recognized you have moved and changed us deeply from the inside out. God, would you make us more like you today? Make us more generous. We thank you for this time. In Christ's holy name, amen. I'm thankful for the Lord's table because it's a representative of that gift that Jesus gave to us. It's a representative of the body of Christ that was broken for you, for you and for you. And it's a corporate experience, but is there any more intimate experience on the face of the planet? Let's partake and, and remember we're, we're, we're one in Christ. That we don't, we don't walk in here as loners. We don't walk out of here as loners. We don't live our life as loners. We are one with the Father, just like the Father and the Son are one. Jesus' prayer is that we too would operate in that, that way. We would come today, would we break bread in unity and worship the Lord who's God with us today. The tables are open. There's going to be folks at the cross who would love to pray with you about anything going on in your life. Um, they're there for you to, to build you up and encourage you. The tables are open. Let's worship.